Amen, amen. Well, good morning, church. You know, the Bible says that we are to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and grace in our time of need. And you know, there's two things we need, and friends. We need mercy. That God don't give us what we do deserve, and we need grace that he gives us what we don't deserve. Amen? And you know where you find that at? On your knees, at an altar. And when you come to the altar, wherever that may be that God brings you, and you fall at the feet of Jesus, help is a prayer away. Can I get an amen? There's a lot of people who knows what I'm talking about in here. This morning, I want to invite you, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, to turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I've been praying about God giving me a special message for today. And as those of you who have been coming to Bethany, you know that we've been in a series since the beginning of the new year on how to be blessed. And it just so happened that the last day, this day, turned out to be the last day of that series. And God said, I gave you, he choked on my heart, quit trying to be the Holy Spirit, just listen to the Holy Spirit. That's the sermon I want you to preach. And I was like, oh, surely not. But I want to kind of hit this with you. How to be blessed. How many wants to be blessed? I'm going to tell you what. First step of being blessed is get saved. Amen. <laughs> but be biblical. If you'll follow this book of promises by faith and trust God, I guarantee you one thing, your life will be better than it was before you started trusting Jesus. And so as we look this morning, we see right here what the Word of God does in a place called Thessalonica where Paul preached a sermon where it had never been preached before. There has no church. And he preaches and something happens. And a church, people are saved and people come to know the Lord. I want you to start reading with me as we read together in verse 2 of chapter 1 in the book of Thessalonians. Paul says, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, who? The, the church of Thessalonica, your election by God. And then look at what he says. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, making, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed, believe what? Believe the word that Paul's preaching. And then look what happened. Once they received the word, then all of a sudden they began to give away the word. Look at verse 8. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what matter of entry we had to you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Father in heaven, we thank you tonight, today for Jesus. And we thank you for the word who gives us faith to know him and to be able to trust him. And Lord, today we ask your blessing over this time of preaching. 
that you would glorify your word and use it for your will. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we started just to kind of give everybody, we started back in the first part of the year. And I looked at if you're going to be a saved person who's blessed, you need to learn to be reverent before the Lord. And we looked at honoring and respecting the Lord to give him the honor that he deserves and being reverent and giving him an attitude of that respect and honor he deserves. And then we looked at if you're going to be blessed, you need to be committed, committed to the Lord, committed to the things the Lord loves. And we looked at blessed people are committed by loving and supporting the Lord's church. That's God's people. And so when you're committed to the Lord and you're committed to his church and you're giving him reverence and honor and respect in him, I'm telling you, friend, blessings are on the way. And then we looked at being generous. Remember the Sunday we preached about giving to this. I preached a sermon named Unleashed Generosity. And friends, I want to tell you something. Saved people are blessed people and blessed people are generous. And you can't outgive the Lord. And we looked at that. And if you're honor the Lord with your possessions and not only give to him, but give through, let him give through you and give to others. And you're generous. You'll never be without. And then we looked just last week at serving the Lord with our talents and our skills and being involved in the work of ministry, helping the kingdom to be established, serving our Lord Jesus by being involved in the work that he's called us to do. But guys, you know what? It's impossible to be reverent and honor and respect the Lord. You're not going to know what to be committed to, and you're not probably going to be generous. You're probably not going to be real involved unless you know what to put that into. It all starts with the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. And today, I want us to look this morning about the importance of studying and obeying God's Word, being biblical. Because I'm telling you what, when I look at it, that's what's got us to where we are. We are listening to God's Holy Spirit as He takes His Word, and He teaches us, and He shows us what he's already told us to do. We don't need to come up with a plan. He gave us the plan book long ago. All we got to do is open it up, study it, obey what it shows us, believe God enough in his word that what he says is true, and look what can happen. Lives are changed. Churches are glorified, and they move forward. So I want us to look this morning at studying and obeying God's word, being biblical. And before we get there, I want to give you a couple things. I found this somewhere, I can't remember where, but someone said one of the clearest lessons we learned from church history is that strong biblical preaching of God's word is absolutely vital to the spiritual health of the church. When God's son commissioned Peter, he said, go and feed my sheep. What do you think he wanted him to feed him? The word of God. Friends, I don't know about you, but without the word of God, we are spiritually malnourished. We cannot grow. In fact, Peter wrote later, that we are to receive the word of God as, born, as young babes in Christ, as new milk, so that we may grow thereby. So that's the only way we're going to grow. Another preacher, John MacArthur, said this. Well, I got a new tool here. Let me get used to it. He said, clearly biblical preaching is the main strategy God himself ordained for church growth and for leading and feeding his flock. Naturally, it is the one strategy is always truly blessed. I don't know about y'all, but y'all remember that old song we used to sing? Trust and obey, because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Where do you know what to trust? From the word, as he speaks to us. 
And guys, look at this. A blessed church, and I'm going to get to where this is my introduction. <laughs> a blessed church believes in the power of God's word. Did you hear what he told that church? Our word didn't just come to you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. I have people come through me from time to time wanting me to help them with their insurance of their salvation. Well, I'm a firm believer, friend. When Jesus comes in and you're dead in sin and you're born again and you truly heard the word and at that time you're converted, you don't have to wonder if something happened. Amen? The gospel is the power of God for salvation unto anyone who believes. Paul told the church in Corinth, he says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. I don't know about y'all, but one day I heard the gospel, and the gospel did something to me. Can I get an amen? I ain't been the same since the day I believed it. And friends, listen, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. Listen to what the word of God can do. It can discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God can reveal to us our motives. The heart is desperate of the wicked. Who can know it? If you just listen to your heart, you can get in trouble. You need to let the word of God discern the thoughts of your heart. And guess what? The word of God is not like any other book you'll ever read. It's living and powerful. Listen to what that's saying. The power of life is in this book. So guys, everything that we are doing for God is dependent upon the foundation of thus saith the Lord. The power that he's going to pour out is going to come through people who not only believe his truth, but who trust his truth enough to obey it. And guys, listen, the blessed church believes in the power of God. But let me show you something else. The blessed church believes in the effectiveness of God's word. In Isaiah, Isaiah said, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. He said, it shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. I want you to look at something with me right quick. Look over at chapter 2. Look at what Paul tells the church in Thessalonica in verse 13. He says, for this reason, for this reason, we, we thank God also without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. You see, when you receive what preachers preach from this book as the word of God, not the opinion of man, it goes to become effective. Until you accept this as God's word, not a denomination, not a man's opinion. And friends, wherever you sit under the teaching of this word, if you can't take the Bible and follow it, if it's not coming straight from the pages of inspired, inerrant scripture, you need to be careful. But listen what happens, he says, which also effectively works in you who believe. Guys, I don't know if you figured this out yet, but if you keep reading this book, this book gets in you. <laughs> And this truth becomes power in your life. Friends, I want you to think about this with me. As a preacher, I love y'all. I'm proud of y'all. But my hope is not in what y'all do with the word. <laughs> my hope is in what the word will do with you. <laughs> Look at that. The preacher's hope is not in what people do with the word of God. It's not my responsibility 
to make you do what you're supposed to do. I can't make you believe it. My job is to rightly divide the word of truth, stand up here, need not be ashamed, living a life that honors God, and shut the corn in Jesus' name. Amen? Preach, thus saith God. Don't worry about it if it makes you mad or makes you happy. Because I learned a long time ago, you usually don't get glad till you first get mad when the word gets a hold of you. Amen? The word interrupts. It disrupts your agenda. That's why it changes your life. The reason you need to hear the word of God is because you've been misinformed by the devil who controls the world and the world is propagating the message of the world here, which is antichrist. Friends, if you don't believe me, look at the television. Look at the commercials. Look at advertisement. Look at what media does. Friends, the only place you're going to hear the truth is from the one and only God and his one and only word. And that's why you got to get under it and you got to let it have its place in your life. So, friends, listen, when you sit under the preaching of God's word on a regular basis, you're either going to get right or you're going to take flight. Because <laughs> you can't sit under the word of God and ignore it if the Holy Spirit's here and God's word's being preached the way it was written. Guess what? The word of God forces you to a decision. The word of God causes you to make a choice. If you can sit under preaching and you never have to make a decision, you never have to make a choice, I don't see how you're being preached the Word of God. Because when I study it, most of the time, the message is already done God on me. Many of the times before I could preach it to you, I had to get right with God myself. And so, friends, listen. The Word of God is what God uses to bless us. I want you to look at this right quick. The blessed church, if you really think about it, Brother Dennis, I believe this with all my heart is the result of his people believing his word enough to trust it. And if you trust it, you're going to obey it. Look at what he said in that verse. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, how do you receive the word of God? You trust it enough to believe it and obey it. And look at what he said. You didn't take it as it come from man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, and it became effective in your life. And he began to work. Now flip back to chapter 1 and look at what happens to this church. And I see this happening to Bethany. And friends, it's amazing when you just preach God's word and you just stand faithful. You can't go by altar calls. You can't go by if they tell you on the way out, that was a good sermon preacher. Ultimately, the only bearable fruit that you can really go by is, is there being any change. Is change occurring in your life? Is change happening in the fellowship? And are those changes in accord with what the Bible teaches? Let me show you. When Paul showed up to Thessalonica, there was no church. There was a synagogue, which meant there was believers who were Jewish. And when you look in chapter 17 of Acts, he went to the synagogue, which was his custom to share the word of God, and he preached. And some people got saved. Paul's talking about that right here. I want you to see what he says. In verse 5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. As you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And Paul exemplified the word of God before them as he taught. And as they seen him in every one of us, our lives should be bearing the fruit of being a product of thus saith the Lord. Amen. But you know what? Today, a lot of Christians today. If you look at them, they bear the likeness much more of the world and media and culture than they do the Lord Jesus Christ. But friends, if we are following him 
and we are allowing his word to have its place in our life, we are going to begin to look like him. We're going to begin to do the things he does. Look at what happened when he came there. They looked at Paul and look at verse 6, what he says. When you heard the word, it came to you in power and in the Holy Spirit. And look what he says. And you became followers of us and the Lord Jesus. Friends, the leaders in the church should be examples to those who come in here lost. When they enter in and they have not been in church, when they've been out in the world, they come in beat up, they come in broken. But guess what? When God fixes them and he lifts them up and he strengthens them again and they get saved, they're looking now on how to live saved. And you know who they're going to look to? God, but you know how God's going to show them? Through those of us. Those of us who've been saved for a amount of time should be walking examples of what the Word of God does to your life when you study it, when you believe in it. and when you We should be people who are reverent before the Lord, who honor Him. We should be people who are committed to the, and love the church and support the church. We should be people who are generous and who honor God with our possessions. We should be people who are involved with the kingdom work and we use our skills and the things that God's blessed us with for His glory to serve Him. And when they see that, guess what they do? They join in. And Paul said immediately they began to follow the Lord and Him. Look at what they began to do. He said in verse 7, so that you became examples. Guys, listen. You may not believe this, but everybody in here is an example. You have, you have influence you either have good influence or bad influence, but everyone has influence. And when people watch us, when people see us, the examples we set impact others. Guess what? What goes on in here, as awesome as all this is, is not the most important thing about whether we accomplish God's will and purpose for why he put us here. It's what goes on when we leave here. This is where we come to be equipped, to be built up, to be edified, to be unified together in Christ. As he becomes our head, we become his body. And the body of Christ goes out in the glory of God to do what? His work in this community. And I want you to look at what he said. He said in verse 7, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believed. Guess what? Other churches were looking at them saying, man, they got it. <laughs> they got it. They got saved. The word of God's in that place. Jesus is their Lord. Look at what he says in verse 8. For from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. You know what, guys? The word of God ought to not just be sounding forth among us here in Sunday school class and in preaching. Everywhere we go, in Caddo Parish, in Greenwood, in Bethany, in Shreveport, the word of God ought to be going forth from us because it's what makes us who we are. It's the very foundation of what God has made us and put us here for. And I want you to think about this. He says in the bottom part of verse 8, your faith toward God has gone out so that we don't need to say anything. You know what? As the preacher, I am here to evangelize. I am here to preach the gospel. I'm here to teach and the word of God and to disciple and equip people to do the work of ministry. But I'm going to tell you something. God never intended for the shepherd to make sheep. Sheep make sheep. I get to see maybe a few lost people a week. And I love it when I get one of those divine encounters with someone who it's obvious doesn't know my Lord. 
I look at that as not an accident that God put that person in my life. And I'm going to ask him. There was a guy here this week, um, the man that put the cover on. He, he knew his brother Duval. And Chris was putting it up there, and I'm checking him out, and I'm talking to him, and I started witnessing to him. He said, brother, I'm a Christian. <laughs> and me and him started sharing good stories about how he got saved and how I got saved for long. We was in here, man. He's working. I'm just in here aggravating him probably, but we're talking about the Lord. Guys, listen, it shouldn't be hard to strike up a conversation about the Lord. It should be natural. You know what happened in this church? Because the word came to him in power, in the Holy Spirit, which must assurance. Guess what? The word went forth. Their faith went forth. Paul said, I don't need to say nothing. Y'all saying it for me. Y'all's testimony cannot even be contained because what God has done in y'all. Friends, I'm telling y'all, that's what God wants to do with every church. Not just a couple. Every church, God wants to do that. Listen to what he says in verse 9. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now, I want you to think about this. Do y'all think that there's a lot of idolatry goes on in America? False gods? If you don't believe me, watch the Super Bowl tonight. That's some people's gods. I'm not putting down on it. I mean, look at them. They'll shout, scream, dress crazy. They'll go berserk for that football team. But guys, listen, that's not only, there's idols everywhere. But in Paul's day, they were literally idols. They had the god named Apollos. They had the goddess named Diana. They had temples built all over Thessalonica to false gods. Greek mythology was rampant. Jesus wasn't anything to hear a new God. They just added him to their list of gods. But Paul preached Jesus Christ. He preached the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins, the, the, the Son of the Creator, the only God. And they got saved, and they quit serving all those idols. They quit serving the God of Apollos. They quit serving the God of Diana. They quit serving, and look what it says, to serve the living and the true God. And friends, I want you to hold your place here because we're coming right back. But turn with me to Acts chapter 17 and just do this with me because it'll, it'll bless you. I want you to see something. When Paul showed up that day, he preached to people who had never heard the gospel who didn't know about church because there was no church. And he shows up in Acts chapter 17. And if you look with me, and we're going to hit this right quick. It says, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. So Paul goes to this Jewish synagogue. Now I want you to look at what it says and take notice with me in verse 2. Then Paul, as his custom was, which means this was his habit. This was his regularly mode of operation. He's on his second missionary journey. He's traveling all over the land, preaching the gospel, planting churches for the glory of God. So Paul, as his custom was, he went into them for three Sabbaths. That means for three Sundays, three Lord's Days. He reasoned with them from the Scriptures. As he reasoned them from the Scriptures, he was explaining and demonstrating that the Christ, that's the Savior, the Messiah, had to suffer where? On the cross. And even though he suffered and died on the cross, he had to rise again from the dead. Yes, 
They killed Jesus. They crucified him for our sins. But guess what? They buried him, but he rose again. So that's all he's preaching is just the good old gospel. Look at what it says. To suffer again from the dead and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ, the Savior. And I want you to look what happened. That's why we're here, friends. Some of them were persuaded. (laughs) Do you see that? Guys, do you believe with me today that the gospel still has power to persuade lost sinners that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for them? Let me tell you something this morning. That's why we're here. Why are we here? We're here because God has got a message to a lost and dying world. God has got the good news that no matter how bad sin has got a hold of you, no matter what lies and deception the devil has tricked you with, there's a way out. And his name is Jesus. And he died for all so that anyone who shall come can be saved, born again. I don't know about y'all, but one day I got persuaded, praise God. I was going to church to get Diane back. Y'all know my story. Lord, if I got to go to church for Diane to come back and remarry me, I'll go to church. But God had a better plan, praise Jesus. I didn't only get Diane back. I got Jesus. I got saved. I got my life back. I got Jesus, I'm going to tell you something, friend. People can be persuaded. Don't listen to the lie. There's not a sinner in this vicinity that in the right place at the right time when God's presence there and his word is being proclaimed that they can't be persuaded to give their life to Jesus. That's why we're here. Look at this. I love this part. He says, and some of them were persuaded. Look at verse 4. And a great multitude of devout Greeks. That's devout Gentiles, really devout pagans. (laughs) A great number, and and I like how he says it about the women, and not a few leading women. You know what I found out, Brother Dennis? You get not a few leading women following you with Jesus, hell's in trouble. He said, not a few leading women believed. They were persuaded. A whole bunch of them Greek pagans were persuaded. Look at what else he says in that verse 4. They joined Paul. Friends, I'm asking you, let's join together. Let's join what God is doing, and let's go and win this community to Jesus. Let me show you something. Why are we here? The church, every church, but we, this church exists to impact this generation with the love of God. Not the past generation, not the generation 100, but this generation, they need to know God loves them. Listen, what else we need to be committed to? We need to be committed to influencing the culture and quit letting the culture influence us. And we need to live the word of God, preach the word of God, teach it, in which we live by proclaiming the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, listen, America don't know it, but what they need up there on Washington, what they need is a good dose of Jesus. They need the church to come back alive and preach, just say up the Lord and share the gospel. Listen, when we impact the generation with the love of God, how do we do that? The same way Jesus did. Jesus went around healing people. He went around helping people. He went around doing whatever he could to meet physical needs in people's lives. Because friends, listen, people recognize that physical need fairly quickly, always before their spiritual need. And he found people who were hungry. He fed them. He found people who were blind. He gave them eyes to see. He found people who was crippled. He helped them walk. Friends, I want to tell you something. When we go around helping people, they see that God loves them through us. And then they'll listen to the message. Jesus came helping people. Why do you think he did them miracles? So that he could tell them the gospel of the kingdom. 
And then he preached to them. Friends, listen. Everywhere Jesus went, would you agree with me, people's lives were changed? That's what we to do. Love people. Influence people. And then listen. Strive to enable people to grow in spiritual maturity, resulting in a changed life. It's this simple, guys. Why we exist. To impact this generation. To influence the culture. Don't let it influence us. To impart life-changing grace. That's what God wants us to do. This is what I believe is a way to do it. Why are we in here this morning? Why do we build all this? What do we do? We provide a spiritual worship experience that is both relevant and biblical to the Caddo Parish area. This is our Jerusalem. Why does it need to be relevant? Well, we need to be able to reach people. We need to do what we can to get them to come. And friends, some of us is like walking around saying, this ain't Kansas, Brother Marvin. You're right. We ain't in Kansas no more. That was a joke. Y'all don't don't think it's funny. (laughs) But guys, listen. Would you agree that this would probably reach people that we couldn't reach back there? Not only does it make more room, it opens the door for more opportunity for more people. But guys, it doesn't matter how relevant it is if it's not biblical. So you still preach the same message. I don't know about y'all, but how many of you likes Whoppers? If you go to Burger King, Burger King's changed. They don't look the same. The commercials are different, but the Whopper is not quite the same, but it's still the Whopper. And that's what they're known for. We're known for the gospel. But guys, listen, how we present the gospel, how we get the gospel out there, we have many ways of doing it, but we still only have one gospel. And that's why we stay biblical. Why do we do it? To reach the lost and to save people who are not connected to God and his church. It's more than just us. And friends, y'all know Whoppers is kind of what I think about. I'm sorry, but that's where my brain is half the time. If I ain't thinking about Jesus, I'm asking Diane, what's for supper? Amen. But guys, all kidding aside, what we do, we provide a spiritual worship experience, just like we're doing today, that is relevant to all generations, especially the future, the young people. And then we preach them the Bible to reach them. Listen what we do, how we do it, just what we're trying to do here. Why would we do all this? Because when people come here, they need to experience anointed worship and anointed preaching. I think God's going to anoint stuff that when you work hard at it, you do the best you can with what you got to give him something that's worth giving him. And friends, you can go to all kinds of churches that are just getting by. You can get all kinds of churches that are half-heartedly just going through the motions. But when you sell out and give him all and do the best you can for his glory, give him excellence. What's excellence? Doing the best you can with what you got. And you create dynamic praise and worship. And you have sound, healthy, biblical preaching from God's holy word that applies to their life and influences them. God will do the rest. He will save people. He will change people's lives. How do we do that? We stay focused on Jesus. And I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, but tonight that's what we're going to talk about. Focused on Jesus. I promise it's going to be quick because I'm going to Mama's to watch the second half. But listen, would you agree with me that God can do all things, that there is a whole generation out there who is yet to hear that God loves them, that he is able to change them, that he can give them new life. You know, today, if you flip back with me to where we started, you say, why is this so important, Brother Marvin? I mean, why is it so important? Look what Paul says. You could almost miss it if you didn't 
have a preacher to remind you about it. But if you get to the last verse of chapter 1, he says that when they heard the word of God, it, it came to them in power. It changed them, that their faith was going forward. And it says they turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God. And look at what it says. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from what? The wrath to come. You know what makes the gospel so good? Is what it saves us from. We don't like to hear about the wrath to come, but the wrath is coming. For everybody who rejects God, who lives life without him, who dies without Christ, wrath's coming. They were waiting. I don't know what you're waiting on. I ain't waiting on the Republicans to outwit the Democrats or the Democrats. To, I'm waiting on Jesus, amen? I'm waiting on the Lord. This is not my home. I'm going to a place one day called heaven to live in a place that God has prepared for us. He's built us a place. And I want you to think about this. The ultimate question that you need to ask yourself this morning is, are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? There's an old black song that used to sing. I can't sing like Skeeter, but I get they're going down the road sometime, and I just get to letting it rip in Jesus' name. And this is one I get singing sometimes when I'm really ready to go, like a Monday morning sometimes. And it kind of goes like this. Are you ready to go to the promised land? Well, I'm ready to go, ready to leave today. Come and take me, Jesus. Let's be on our way. Gonna hear my name when it calls this road. Gonna walk with Jesus down them streets of gold. Oh, yes, I am. Don't you want to go? And when I get there, I'm going to be able to sing. Amen? <laughs> to the promised land. Think about it. Do you want to see Jesus, my friend? Take him by the hand. Well, I'm ready to go, ready to leave today. And I say this sometimes. Come and get me, Jesus. Let's be on our way. Woo! I tell you what, friend, when that's in your heart and it's real, the devil can't stop you. Because this ain't all my hope is in. Our hope is in glory. Today, you can be on your way. There's a person in this room this morning who's never been saved. We're fixing to have the most important part of the service while we're here. So that if you're without Christ today, you can be saved. And all you got to simply do is trust these things. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, the wrath to come, but have eternal life with him. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death, but the free gift of God, the gift, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. All you got to do is admit you're a sinner. Admit you know that you are not right with God, that you've sinned. And then confess and believe that Jesus died for your sins and receive him. That's all Paul was telling people. He didn't have a 12-month Sunday school program to offer you. He didn't have children's church to offer your kids. 
He didn't have a bunch of things that we think you need in the church. He didn't have comfortable seats. All he had was Jesus died for you. And they buried him. And he rose again. And he lives for you now to help you, to save you, to come into your life, to give you strength where you're weak, to give you hope where you're discouraged, and to give you victory where you've been defeated. I don't know about you, I fall down all the time. He keeps getting me back up. I want to quit all the time. He keeps, I throw the towel, he throws it back, said, I don't save quitters. I don't call quitters. I'll come get you when I'm ready. Go back out there. And he keeps giving me grace to do what I can't do. And friends, that's what God does. His grace is sufficient. He'll save you this morning. So I'm going to invite a lost sinner to come right up here this morning when we start this invitation and just sit at that front chair. I'm going to have the mic off. I'm going to come to you. And I'm going to help you to learn, to know, have assurance, and say a prayer. I'm going to ask everybody else this morning, is your life blessable? Is your life reflecting the things that God blesses? Are you reverencing him? Are you treating him with the respect and the honor that he deserves? Are you loving his church by supporting it? By being committed to it? Have you been generous with what he gave you? I'm going to tell you what, I ain't found anybody out giving yet. <laughs> and I'm not asking you to give money to us. I'm asking you to do what God tells you to do with it. Honor him with your possession. Friends, listen, there's a lot of things you can be involved in. I'm going to be involved in eating some good quantity of food at my mama's and watching the second half of that game tonight. But right now, this is Super Bowl Sunday. This is the most important part for us, church. We need to honor God biblically. Maybe today you need to recommit your life. Maybe today there's some things you need to bring to this altar. Come to this altar as Jonathan comes forward, and they're going to be singing a time of invitation. What matters in the end of the day on Sunday it's not that we just sing and preach, but that people's lives are affected. So if God's dealing with you, we're going to celebrate. I'm going to ask you, and I pray, if you need Christ, to come forward, and we'll be here to help you to go home knowing that you have that assurance that you belong to Jesus. Friends, the devil's going to lie to you and say, you don't have to do it today. He's going to lie to you and tell you, you don't have to do that. But I'm going to tell you what, I still believe what Jesus said. He said that he died for us. Where did he die? He died on a cross on a hill for everybody to see. And I don't believe there's undercover. If Jesus is saving us, if he was able to go up the hill for us, we ought to be able to walk an aisle for him. And so I'm going to ask you to do that this morning. Not that that saves you, but for his glory and so that you can be celebrating with everybody this morning. So as we stand together, if you need to give your life to Christ, I'm going to invite you to come forward. Church, this is an altar. We need to use it for God. We need to put this church, become his team here as we share. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we pray this morning that if there's one among us who needs to come, if he needs to be saved, that you give him grace, you give him courage to step out and step forward, to come to Christ to join and be part of the kingdom. And Lord, if there's one here, I pray that you'll help him to be saved and born again. And Lord, for the rest of us who are saved, help us to just listen to your word, to trust you enough to obey you. And I pray you'll change our lives for your glory. 
In Jesus' name, amen.